Welcome, everybody, to Who's Your Band? I'm Jeffrey Paul. I am joined by my co-host, Sean Morton. How are you, Sean? Did you just, like, semi-stroke out when you were saying band? No, I didn't. I'm putting some enthusiasm because I'm excited today. Oh, all right. Well, good to fool me. Okay, yeah. I'm just texting our guest right now. Um, uh, let me just let him know. Sean, tell us a little bit. So we're going to start with, again, concerts. Uh, yes, I just, saw, uh, I just saw Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square mm. Garden. Mm. Mm. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? That's a great thing. I oh, love yeah. that band. So, yeah, it was... Um, so on the second show of the tour, Zach De La Roca, uh jumped a little too high, not realizing he's like 52 years old and uh, I think busted his ankle and blew his ACL on the second show. Not the first time he's done. He did it in no, 97. I, I was at that show when he did it in 97. But uh, so they literally carry him on stage Two two roadies, carry him on stage and put him on a little uh, gearbox in the front. And you could tell that he was just dying to get up there and just jump around like a crazy person. They uh, they were just off the charts, off the charts. Good. What were highlights for you? The the best part about it is that they did eighteen songs. Fourteen of them were hits. They only did like four deep cuts, and even the deep cuts were like the good stuff too. They played most of the most of the first album. They did eight songs off the first album, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the only one they didn't do uh, songs off of was the covers EP, the covers album. That's I know they did. They did. They did. They did. Uh, Ghost of Tom Joe. I'm just going to ask you if they yeah. were going to do that. But they did Ghost of Tom um, Joe. I, I saw, uh, you know, Adam, our producer, went uh, the other night. You went. A uh, bunch of people I know went, and I saw multiple clips of them doing "Testify," which is my favorite song. You know, I was going to record it for you. And then I realized uh, about 30 seconds in that it was testify. And then I didn't have the chance to to pull it out. But I recorded a couple. Great, great show. Um, it just does prove to me, though, that I will never drive into New York City ever again for the rest of my life. Why is that? Uh, two hours and 15 minutes to go 27 miles. Jesus Christ. What day of the week was it? Uh, Thursday. That shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, it shouldn't be, Jeff. Shouldn't be. But, you know, it was. So, uh, yeah, did you, get, not... did you get to catch uh, run the jewels? Yeah, I did. And I, uh, the next time, and uh, you just uh, well, actually, fr you froze. Go ahead. We'll actually try to uh, schedule a colonoscopy with uh, you know, Edward Scissorhands before I ever go see run the jewels ever again. See, Adam is a big fan of run the jewels. Yeah, well, Adam's a little bit of a retard, too. Adam, are oh. you there still? Yep, I'm still here. Adam, what'd you think of Run the Jewels? I was kind of underwhelmed by them. On uh, and that was the first time that was the first time I saw them live. Um I, I was listening to RTJ4 all day, and uh I don't know. I mean, they only played for about half an hour. It was a really oh, long God. time for that's a long time for an opening band. That's long enough. It was 40 minutes, Adam, just so you know. It was 40 <laughs> minutes on, on the not on the on the dot. Yeah, not my cup of tea. I don't mind rap. I really don't. Uh, I think my problem with them is I really just couldn't understand what they were saying because they really are very fast moving rap. group. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know any of their songs. I mean, I've heard of them. I have mutual friends who love them. Uh, I just uh, it's just not my cup of tea. But uh, Rage blew the roof off that place. Oh, yeah. What was the fan reaction to Run the Jewels? 
They loved it because there's an affiliation mm. between Run the Jewels and Rage because Zach is a is a huge Run the Jewels uh, fanatic. He actually did a song with them too. Yeah, like they brought they brought them out to do a song with them. I'd rather hear one of the uh, Rage song personally, you know. But uh, all in all, though, they were they were just spot on. I mean, just musically, they sounded fantastic. The crowd was just electric. I mean, there's there's video. I mean, mosh pits were going. 40, 50, 60 feet deep on the floor, which was great. I loved watching it. I did that from afar because I uh, I am no longer able to go into a mosh pit. I haven't been able to in about, I don't know, 15, 20 years or so. I wouldn't want to mess with you in a mosh pit. Uh, I have a, a couple stories, mosh pit stories that, you know, uh, yeah, you don't want to, especially when I start getting overheated. And people start hitting me and touching me and getting all close to me. I have no problem throwing people. Like I will literally lift you up off the ground and throw you if I have to. <laughs> and that's happened. That has happened before, Jeffrey. But uh, no, all in all, it was a great show. It really was a great show. It it sounds. I mean, I, I really. It's, I heard Zach's voice sounds like a, like a record. He's he's perfect, right? Yeah, they're great. I mean. They're not one of those bands that kind of deviates off and jams out a little bit because Tom Morello's guitar is just so on a different planet. He's kind of has to stay uh, to the song a little bit. I mean, like, that's my opinion, at least. Uh, Everybody sounded great. I mean, everybody just was firing on all cylinders. And we actually got very lucky. They're playing in tonight. And that's the last show. They had to cancel their entire European tour. Why is that? Because Zach needs surgery <laughs> and he can't oh. like he's literally getting lidocaned up and getting carried on stage. He's sitting on a gearbox. He's not doing he's not moving around like he's, you know, he's bouncing around in his seat and stuff like that. But he's not really uh, he can't stand. And then when the show's over, they all like drop to a knee. They do like the bow, like, you know, on one knee so he doesn't have to stand up. And then two roadies come out and they lift him up and carry him off the stage. You know, I almost, I almost was going to go to that show too. I had, I had a show, and you know, um, Dan McRitchie. Yes, he had extra tickets and he couldn't use them. And I was thinking about, I was going to go. He, he said, you know, no one could use them. And I was like, let me see. And oh man, you know, the thing is, the show that I did. First of all, it was ter- it was a terrible show. Well, you were uh, on it. You have to say that. Um, no, it was it was just like, but I had kind of like this is a guy who I kind of mentored a little bit and kind of talked him into producing a show, mm-hmm. and like and like he was all excited to have me on it, right? And, right. and then like you know I couldn't back out it on him because I oh, I'm always teaching him like like you know you make a commitment when you make a commitment you don't go back on your word. And that and was then, the like, Friday, right? The twelfth? No, the, that was the Thursday. Oh, okay. Because I was going to suggest because I had I had someone who couldn't go either, and I was actually going to do the nice thing for you, and I was going to say, look, if you want, I know you're doing a show close to your house. If you want this ticket, I would cover for you, and I was actually considering going to do that for you. But I don't you like you do it. I don't like you that much, though. That, no, no, yeah, no, no. But uh, no. yeah, it was but, uh... but actually the the Friday show turned out to be a fun show, though. Okay. That, that that was actually very good. And then I did a show last night with um, Tommy Gooch and Rob Falcone out at the, I think it's called Lake Hakapag. Hakapag. Okay. Lake, uh, Lake Hopakong? So, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, in Jersey? In, in Jersey, in like Mount Arlington. Lake, Lake Hopakong. 
Lake Hopakong. Okay. Yes. I'm not going to say, I didn't even attempt to say it last <laughs> night. And uh, we, we did that. That was, that turned out to be, I mean, last night was a picture perfect night to do a show. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was just, it was just really, really good. So, and so comedy wise, this has been a really good week. Good. I didn't get to, but I didn't get to catch any, uh, any concerts. What he did wind up doing is uh, I think we talked about this about a week or so ago when we were doing our our, our, con- our concerts and tickets segment. Right. Um, I realized I don't have a lot of shows coming up. The only one I had coming up really is um, Iron Maiden. Okay. And I wound up getting so I, I wound up getting tickets to two shows this week. What'd you get? Um, in October, I'm going to go see Glenn Tilbrook. Who? Glenn Tilbrook. No idea. He's the principal songwriter in Squeeze. Okay. Um, who else? And I'm gonna go see Darling Love. That's a good show. I mean, yeah, I would I, see that. I would see that definitely. She she's excellent, and it's it, it's in Staten Island at uh, the St. George Theater, which is a great venue. Yeah. And Glenn Tilbrook is playing at City Winery. Oh, nice. They just moved from their old location, but uh, it's still a beautiful, beautiful uh, venue to see a show. A lot of comedy they're doing there now too, which is a great thing. Yeah, I think uh, Will Savince does a show there. Yeah, I think our friend Eric Newman just did like four nights there. He, he did. He did. Yeah, so that should be pretty fun. I mean, I, I think I personally think you should grab a ticket to go see uh, Anthrax and Black Label Society and Hatebreed since it's probably about 10 minutes from your house, too. Where is that? It's going to be at the Coney Island Amphitheater. Oh, wow. When is that? Yeah. Uh, August 26th. It's a Friday night. I'm away. Uh, what a shame. Yeah, I'm doing a little... Um... We're going to take off for, you know, I'm telling you, tell the people who listen to this, we're going to take off for a couple of weeks um, because next week, Adam is away. Okay. Adam, our, our producer, he's going to be in Greece. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. You got to be careful, Adam. Put your hand over your tukus because they, like <laughs> they like to do it in the backside over there. And he's, <laughs> and he's going to Mykonos. Wow. You know about Mykonos, don't you, Sean? I, I've heard about Mykonos. Yeah. I mean, is this a, is this a, uh, a work-related uh, trip, or is this a fun-related trip? Uh, this is a, a family trip. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. Gonna just be remember, great. my big fat Greek wedding, uh, if anything happens to you, just spray Windex on your body, Adam. Right. That's what you do. <laughs> Was that a thing in that movie? Yes, the yeah. father sprayed Windex on everything, any kind of ailment. If you had a rash, put Windex on it. If you had a pimple, put Windex on it. If you, yeah. Windex remember, was the, the be-all and end-all of that movie. I remember watching that movie. I, I hated it. It's one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. I've it seen. Cannot be. Please do not. I have say seen that. it probably. Why do, you, why do you fuck with me like this? <laughs> I just love the movie. It's it's definitely a top ten for me, without question. Without question, I've seen it at least a hundred times. Are you kidding? Yeah, I love it. It's so unrealistic. It's a great movie. It's got amazing characters in it. I mean, it's a character driven movie, which is what I lo- I love that too. I don't care. It's, it, I, I'm I'm not suspending reality that much. John Corbett is never going with with, with, with that big fat girl. It's not going to happen. Okay, first of all, she's about 140 pounds. Number one, if that <laughs> shows you haven't seen the movie. Number one, <laughs> I, uh, I will tell you. Was. I will ask. I want to ask you a question. Do you watch the show Breaking? Uh, not Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul. No. Okay. I never saw one episode of Breaking Bad or Never Call oh. Saul. I have no idea what these shows are. Oh, I will tell you that I am a huge fan of both shows. The final episode of Better Call Saul is on tomorrow night, which is uh, August 15th. So people who 
are listening now, they can backdate it. But uh, one of the best hours of television I have ever seen in my entire life. That's how good this episode was. Now, people say that Better Call Saul uh, is better than the other show. Breaking uh, Bad. No, Breaking Bad to me. And Adam is, agrees with you, by the way. Yes, yes. I, I, Breaking Bad uh, to me is only the second best show of all time besides The Sopranos. Uh, I, but Better Call yeah. Saul is uh, so basically that the whole premise of it is you can't uh, really have a sequel to Breaking Bad. So what they did was uh, Saul Goodman, which is their lawyer, they did a prequel to it to show you how he became that person, which I thought was amazing, an amazing concept. And now towards the end, they're fast forwarding to after Breaking Bad. So you see what happened to him after all that stuff goes down. Sometimes that works. Like, did you watch The Walking Dead when it was on? I watched The Walking Dead for about four or five years until I had an epiphany one night when I just said, wait a minute. They, they, they Every town they go to, they have all this food. They have all this fucking ammunition, all this stuff. And then it just so I was like, you know what? This isn't believable anymore. Meanwhile, I'm talking about a show about zombies, by the way. And uh, I just stopped. I just I stopped. stopped when it started getting very woke. But it, oh, it, it, it got woke. Um, but what? I liked about it was they would do backstories on how people's lives were before uh, the apocalypse happened. And okay. I like seeing what Negan was before that. He was a good character when I was watching it. I think I kind of checked out when they killed the little Asian guy. Uh, okay. Right. That was the last good season. And hey, okay. we're about to, we're about to have our guest. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get this. Uh, we'll get this. uh, uh We'll be come back to The Walking Dead later on. But uh, let's get our guest into the show here as soon as he figures out his camera angle. And <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> this handsome son of a bitch. Okay. Um, we're going to, guys, we're going to bring into the show. Uh, if you watch Newsmax, he is the host of Wise Guys. He's a really interesting guy. I'm looking forward to talking to him today. Let's introduce to the show, Mr. John Tobacco. How are you, John? Gotta turn, gotta turn your audio on, John. Unmuted. How's that? Much there better. There we go. All there right. we go. How are you? So glad to be with you. Sorry, I'm a few minutes late. Long trek back from Long Island to Staten Island, but uh, oh god, Long Island well, should be. You should have everybody should just take their loved ones from Long Island, okay? Move them either to Brooklyn, Staten Island, or New Jersey, and blow that fucking area off the map. That's what they need to do. I hate that and the Belt Parkway. If that all just went into the ocean, I'd be the happiest person on the planet. All right. Well, my co-host and girlfriend lives out there, so let me. <laughs> I, I just said bring them here. Oh, fuck <laughs> They've only been doing construction on that Belt Parkway for forty years. It'll get um, done soon. But sad. let's let's get into this with John because you know he we don't have a lot of time and he, listen he's like I said interesting guy has. A lot of opinions on things and a lot of knowledge on things, to be honest with you. So, John, right off the top, are we in a recession? Oh, there's no question that we're in a recession. I mean, look, uh, Joe Biden's administration wants to keep redefining everything as we know it. A woman isn't a woman anymore. It's a birthing person. Uh, you know, the, a boy isn't a boy, even though you have a penis. Could still be something else. So they've engaged in this kind of 
propaganda campaign of changing the terms of things when it suits them. You know, um, inflation was transitory and Janet Yellen was out there and uh, the, the head of the Fed was out there. It's just Ow. transitory a month or two. There's no such term. There was inflation. Now we all know there's inflation. There's a, uh, I would say, centuries-long axiom. Uh, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP equals recession. We learned that, like I learned that in like 10th grade uh, economics 101. That's what they call a recession. Now, if you want to say there are other countervailing factors, well, employment's good. This is good. That's fine. We're still in a recession. And Jeff, you know, my show on Newsmax is called Wise Guys. It's on 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. It's on 3 o'clock on Sundays. And we do something a lot of shows on television don't do. I go out in the streets every week and I talk to regular people. And then I take their interviews to the table with some experts. And I show them what people are saying. And then we comment on the people's views. So it's kind of... I feel like it's the people show because we're talking about not the same old bullshit that the talking heads are talking about, but what the people are talking about. And over and over again, when I say to people, look, inflation's at eight and a half percent at nine percent. What do you think? They literally stop me and say it's way higher than that. So we have work. We have hyperinflation and we're in a recession. And, you know, Joe Biden last week came out and started talking about how this this month we had zero inflation, you know, um, which sounds good. Zero. But, Jeff, uh, as two aging football coaches, you know, this as good as anyone. If you're losing 75 nothing at the half and you hold the other team scoreless in the third quarter, you don't start throwing a party. You're still down 75 nothing. So, you know, nothing is as it seems and nothing is as they tell us. And more and more people that I see out in the street, like regular goombas like me and hopefully you guys, they just say, look, um, we see it. No matter what these shitheads are telling us, we see it. And common sense people realize we're in a boatload of trouble. And look, I don't know if Donald Trump's the answer or the, there's more. There's just as many shitty Republicans as there is Democrats. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is this. We need to change something because this whole country across the board, from crime to the economy, to quality of life, to family values, is going in the shitter. Um, and those guys are doing everything they can to accelerate it, if you ask me. Uh, I, I think that's by design. But so when you're out on the street, you talk to people from your take, from what you see. And I know you are plugged in. John, do you think anyone is fooled by this changing of definition? You know, look, uh, New York's a tough place to be a, a commentator on a conservative network. Right. You know, cause sometimes I got to go out into New York City or Brooklyn where there's an event and talk to people. And there's a lot of. There's a lot of true believers out there for the Democrats. Well, hold on a second. You're saying you're you're talking to people, and there are people that are saying, "Hey, you know something? The economy isn't that bad." There are people who are actually saying that that you're talking to. There's a lot of Democrats out there that are saying, "Hey, you regular know. people, regular people, not people who are, who are in, in in you know who wear their political party on their, their." I'm just talking about regular working people, black, white, China. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, is anybody falling for this shit? 
I a lot of people say, are. I have. I to cannot say, believe that a lot of people are. You know, um, you know, Joe Biden's talking about this great, these great employment numbers, right? Um, and you got a lot of Democrats out on the street that are parroting that. Well, the market's at all time highs, and unemployment is doing great. All the shit we're at right now, the market, um, the unemployment, that's where Donald Trump had this country right before COVID. So it's like, you know, they're almost getting back to where we were and they're taking all the credit for, you know, making up gains that they lost. So there are people out there that believe in this bullshit. I got to tell you. I hate that. I hate the thing that uh, people are just spoon fed information and they automatically believe that it's true. I see tons of people who have said this to me. Guys, can you believe gas is down 20 cents a gallon over the last two weeks? And I'm like, no, it's not down. It's still up two dollars a gallon. Do you know what it was a year and a half ago? Yeah, it was like a dollar ninety seven. It, it was two and a quarter. Well, so, now, so now we're supposed to throw a party because it's four dollars. Because it's, it's because it's almost double that what it was a year and a half ago. Because you know what? Five because it was at an all-time high at over 500, uh, five hundred five five hundred. That's where I thought we were going at one point, but over five dollars a, a gallon nationally. So now we're supposed to be excited about this. John, yeah. does this make sense to you? No, listen, uh like I love sports and you know I grew up on the football field. The big playing football sports. guy everything and uh, to me it's like you know same thing i'll go back to the other analogy it's like you know you're down 75 nothing and you scored a touchdown you're not winning (laughs) still losing radically and they're kind of you know doing their whole super bowl dance uh for scoring a touchdown when they're down 75 nothing you got to get the game back to even again and then it's a game um Right now, I, 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 the problem is there's not enough Newsmaxes out there. Fox News is starting to little by little wander its way to the left, um, and you know the 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 elitists and the and the Democrat progressives um, they control the mainstream media and people oh, hear yeah. it on the TV enough times they start to believe it. Look, any rational person would say, holy shit, they went into the former president's house when the guy was like in a, he was in a dialogue with them. They came and visited, where are you keeping these records and stuff? And now they just go blasting in when they know he's out of town. Any rational person is like, wow, that's fucked up. But on the other hand, people are hearing enough on the, on the, on the propaganda channels that they say, well, a judge signed the warrant. They don't tell you that that judge used to represent Jeffrey Epstein's client. They don't tell you that the guy donated thousands of dollars to Hillary Clinton. So they go judge shopping for a magistrate. He's not even an actual judge. He's a magistrate. It's like one step below that. And they get him to sign a warrant, and then they go barging into Donald Trump's house. But people here on the news well, a judge signed the warrant, so there must have been something wrong. To me, if Donald Trump had the nuclear codes at his house in Mar-a-Lago, maybe they should have got down there a little sooner than a year and a half later. So I don't believe any of that bullshit. And I think a lot of people are starting to, you know, I was just coming back from Long Island where we were shooting some stuff for Wise Guys show this week. 
and there was a giant rally out there. There'd be a thousand people there to support Donald Trump. And these are people that would maybe otherwise be kind of at a barbecue or something on a Sunday, but they're so pissed off that they're out there kind of just rallying it up for Donald Trump. And it's like, I almost think, look, I don't know how way your audience leans politically or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm for liberty. I'm for America. And anybody that's keeping America on that path, um, I thought Donald Trump did a really good job of putting America first, closing the borders. The economy was strong, all that shit. So, you know, to me, if a play works, run it again. Um, but the bottom line is one of the words I heard a lot today was pissed off. People are just you. And I, I got to bleep that stuff on TV, but right. uh, they're literally using that term. I'm pissed off. I had enough. I'm fed up. I'm disgusted. Um, and I really think, you know, people who would otherwise not vote or just say, fuck it, and yeah, it's all rigged or whatever they would say. I feel like more people, uh, independents in particular and Republicans are going to come out stronger than they have in a long time. So hopefully we can come up with some countermeasure to what these socialists are doing to our country. I will tell you one thing that I realized, too, and I'm 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 in Jersey. I'm in central Jersey. So. You know, I've kind of always seen more of the blue side. You know what I mean? But I've noticed that ever since Trump was back into office, that it kind of awoke another uh, underground level of people. These are people that were always Republicans, but were always kind of afraid to kind of talk about it because my state is so Democratic. And now it's at a point where, you know, he was a he was supposed to be a breath of fresh air. It was a, a non-politician coming into office, and he did a lot. He did a lot of great things for a lot of people, and now these people are just not biting their tongues anymore. Like you see, I go five minutes away from here, and it's it's Trump country in New Jersey, which yeah. you you'd never see that you know 10, 15 years ago. I was surprised. Uh, I guess a few months back, I did a. Uh, I did. Uh, I participated in one of these trucker convoys um, that went from Paramus uh, and wound up in D.C. But it started in Paramus and cut through Woodbridge. And yep. well, um, nobody would have known about that, John, because it was never covered on the media. Yeah, right. Well, I tried to cover it. Um, I know you did. Yeah, I yeah. follow you. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we wound up in. Uh, I don't know where you live down there in Jersey, but we wound up in New Egypt Speedway in New mm-hmm. Jersey. And I, you know, I'm a Staten Island boy my whole life, but I spent a lot of time down in Jersey Shore and down the state of New Jersey and stuff. And I was shocked how many houses had Trump flags, how many people were out. There were a couple thousand people came out to the Speedway for the trucker convoy. And these people were riled up. And I was like, damn, I'm in Jersey right now. This is good. So yeah, that's, I, a, that's a weird I, part of New Jersey, too, because that's kind of like in between Atlantic City and Pennsylvania. And I call that area Methylvania. Like there's a lot of Mountain Dew that they fucking sell down <laughs> in that area. You know, there's a lot of NASCAR shit. It's it's a fucking weird area. I know that area very well. Hey, going back to Mar-a-Lago, why didn't they just issue a subpoena? Yeah, well, you know, in my you know, in my cynical view, uh, a subpoena wouldn't give us cooperating. Right, John? Yeah, no. Well, there's no doubt about it. Um, 
you know, it's it's well documented at this point. Uh, President Trump was cooperating with them. They asked to see, hey, some of this stuff, are you sure you declassified it? Did you take that, the other thing? And by the way, it's longstanding tradition That's that right. when leave the White House, they take hundreds and hundreds of boxes and documents. They write their memoirs. They have personal notes that other foreign leaders gave them. They have they have their um, they all get, of course, the presidential library where they get to put special mementos in there and that that commemorates that. So this is this is nothing outside of the historical norms. A president is taking a boatload of shit from the White House. And now, you know, uh, let's face it. The president himself doesn't start, you know, taking the knickknacks off his desk and putting them in boxes. There's people that do that. And then there's people that come behind and go through it and make sure. Right. And then afterwards, the president, uh, before he leaves, can decide to declassify anything he wants, anything he wants, literally. Um, and then he has different levels of care he would have to take of those things. Um, and in June... Jeff, I don't know if your listeners know about this or follow closely, but in June, um, the FBI and um, some folks from, I think, the D.C. Uh, Department of Justice went down to Mar-a-Lago and said, you know, uh, do you have this? Do you have that? Yeah, yeah. Well, those documents that you took that you declassified and you have them in a special place, can we see where you're keeping them? And they took them in the room and they showed them, right? And they said, well, you know, that might not be a good enough lock. We'd like you to put a better security That's right. on that. We we want to have a little more security. So Donald Trump and his, had his team change the locks. They, they, they complied. They did everything they asked. So, uh, in fact, um, I had Rudy Giuliani on my show this week. And Rudy told me that when the FBI was there in June doing the inspection and this and that and the other thing, that Donald Trump came down and walked around with them, showed them around, took them in his office, said he was very cordial with the guys. Hey, you're doing your job. We understand. Wait, uh, anything you guys need, just ask. Okay? So, and that's from Rudy's mouth. Rudy's Trump's lawyer. Um, I interviewed him personally. It's not hearsay. It's some bullshit. Or someone said, someone else said. I heard it from Rudy himself. And if you know there's a dialogue with the guy, you know where all the documents are. Your, your original question was, why not a subpoena? Well, a subpoena um, would have to identify certain things they want or they want another look. But at. isn't that transparent? Right. And a search warrant says we're going to go search for boxes that look like this. We're going to go look for documents that may have this or that on it. So, you know. One of the things, if you look at the, if you look at the receipts, uh, uh, what they're showing now with the affidavits, um, they say, "Hey, we're looking for anything that's marked TS top secret, right?" So there could be literally thousands of documents marked TS, but Donald Trump declassified them because he wanted to take them with him, and that's his prerogative. Obama did thirty-three thousand pages of of documents that he still was supposed to digitize and give back. Um, he still hasn't given them back. But, uh, you know, I, I I filled in for Greg Kelly on Friday night. And on Greg's show, you get a little latitude to do a monologue where you can really let it rip. And one of the things I talked about was, you know, in life, and this happens with family, this happens with finances, this happens with a lot of things. 
the pendulum swings both ways. And just when you think you can't take it anymore and the pendulum is getting to there, it starts to come back. And when the pendulum starts coming back the other way, it's coming fast because it's coming from a far ways away. And to me, um, what they're doing is setting a precedent where, hey, if we take back that White House in a couple of years, do you really want the Republicans to start barging into Barack Obama's house or Bill Clinton's house or someone? No, that's not what our country- Or, or Hunter's laptop? Yeah, I mean, they have that. They have it for over two years. But the, the point I'm making is there are certain things that are kind of supposed to be um, unique to America that we don't throw our former leaders in jail or have them executed, you know? And it just seems to me as a regular guy, my father was a cop, you know, I went to St. John's on the five-year plan. So, you know, I'm not one of these Here too. Harvard talking heads, you know? Um, it just seems to me like everything Donald Trump said, as crazy as they made him sound, came true. He said they were tapping the phones in Trump Tower when I was running for president, they said he was nuts. They were. He said they were spying on him when he became president. And then we find out the crossfire hurricane operation that the FBI was running to snag Michael Flynn and Roger Stone and, and, uh, and Carter Page, fake FISA warrant. Donald Trump said one, he said that that call with Zelensky he has one president asking another president, hey, our former vice president, there's a lot of chatter about his son getting paid off from them and stuff. Can you take a look at that? Because we don't want to keep sending the money over to this place if there's a lot of corruption over there. They impeached Donald Trump and said that him asking Zelensky to look into Biden's corruption was in interfering in a presidential campaign. So he was asking about Biden, who was running against him. Now. Merrick Garland and the Injustice Department are down there basically searching the home of a guy who's going to be Joe Biden's opponent. So it's like the same shit. Um, but look, uh, the, the, the old phrase, uh, a lot of people don't know where it came from, but, you know, it's, it's been adapted in many ways, crossing the Rubicon. You know, this is that that's this is like the point of no return. When was that the... Um the, the the Julius Caesar reference. Yeah. yeah. Right. He was just outside of Rome with his troops. He was the provincial general of, of a regional force, and he thought there was too much corruption in Rome. And he rounded up all the troops and said, let's go see if we can clean up the corruption. But when they got to the Rubicon River, he said to his guys, once we cross the Rubicon, there's no turning back. And whatever right. happens here happens at the tip of our sword or the tip of their sword. So it's war now. And if you ask me, I'm not saying like crazy revolutionist or something, but everything that's happening now from them going into Trump's house happens at the tip of a sword, either theirs or ours. And I think it's going to get uglier before it gets pretty again. I you agree think there's, any, you think there's so, any chance that he doesn't get the nomination? Uh, I can't see that happening. And I think, you know, that's the that to me, that's the one thing that all this shit is about. These Democrats are so scared of this guy because he broke the establishments. Act. He broke the media. He, he, You know, people didn't realize for year 
for years how what a scam the media was. Um, but he kind of coined it the fake news, right? And and now people know you can't believe all the shit you hear on either side. I'm lucky um, because Newsmax lets me go out and be that kind of regular Goomba guy. Um, I don't use a teleprompter. I don't have five producers writing shit and I'm just reading words. I actually go out. I feel the beat of the street. I talk to people um, and I just spew it. I say it like it is. I, I, the only thing I'm not allowed to do is curse. Um, but other than that, you know, there's not a lot of news out there that's just from the heart and soul of the guy you're talking to. A lot, you know, a lot of stuff is is curated and run through legal and all this other shit. So you're kind of getting like, you know, like you get at McDonald's processed food. A lot of the news networks, you're getting processed news. It's what they want to tell you. Um, and what gives them the least bit of the least liability. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I try not to watch news, you know, um, I know you guys talk about music and bands and I love music. Uh, I love that shit. I used to be in high school plays and musicals and community theater. Wait, what, uh, what, play, what play were you in? Well, let's see. Uh, fucking Bronx tale. I, <laughs> I was in the uh, stage at a fucking lightning quick, Sean. Uh, I was a, uh, I was yet in the, uh, in, in, I, I wasn't Tony or, I wasn't Tony or Maria, but I was, I was a jet. I was in, uh, Joseph. Were you, were you riff? <laughs> yeah, not riff. I think my, <laughs> were you Ajax or action? Were you action? I think my brother Derek was riff, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I love, I love music and, and, you know, um, I'm sure you guys like a little more rock and roll. Um, but I used to be a Guido also. And no, so, yeah, no we, yeah, we didn't see that one coming. No, no, really, really. Honestly, Were you a pastels guy? Oh, forget about it. You forget about it. Yeah. You got to put on the. You had to put on the Caparici. You had to put on the uh, Caparici pants. And <laughs> what what year Camaro did you have? The Shams the band. Well, I had a uh, I had an '86 Trans Am. Shit, uh, I was gonna go with that instead. God I, damn it! Trans Am. We got Jimbo Custom to do all the pinstriping with the right. We had the dice. We had the horn. We had the Christ head. You had a tape played with- by by Mitch. DJ Mitch, remember DJ, DJ Mitch? On the side, I was a DJ myself. Of course also. you were. For a while, we were make me. I remember back then we were making four hundred dollars for four hours on a Friday night. Man, we used to. That was that was some party we used to have back then. But did you, you know, ever go to um, Plaza Suite? What was that? Brooklyn. Was Plaza that- Suite was on Brooklyn on 86th Street. It was the place yeah. owned by Sammy Gravano. And when you yeah. went in, you had to like check if you had shit. You had to check it because there was going to be no problems there. Was that the place you had to go upstairs? Yes. yes. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I just Listen, this is this is one thing I can talk about, John. That Jeff can't because I am half Italian, and Jeff's not anywhere close to being Italian. But you are really <laughs> checking off every fucking box. <laughs> on the stereotypical Italian fucking guy from the eighties, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm proud of it, and yeah. my show is called Wise Guys. You know, yeah. Uh, 
I didn't go to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting or anything. I just kind of went with, this is what I am. I'm Italian. I'm, I'm half Irish, and I'm proud of that, too. So but am I. 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 You know what? I've been working on Wall Street my whole life. I got a solid collection of, of, of Italian custom suits. I got every pinstripe, every plaid, every design you can imagine. Um, and to me, when I started getting into television, I got lucky doing some business television because I had a small sliver of expertise in, in one area where CNBC gave me a few shots. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just became to the, on the business side, the guy who said it like it is. And then I started just go with it. And, you know, I had over my career, I've been on TV now almost 20 years and I've had over my career opportunity to say, well, we want to give you some, uh, voice training, you're going to have to pronounce your R's a little better, and we're going to put you on a teleprompter, and I say, look, guys, <laughs> I got a real career. Uh, I enjoy having a platform and talking to folks and everything, but I'm not about to start trying to convince people I'm something I ain't, so I just continued to go out there and try to find opportunities for myself where I can be myself, and Newsmax was the place I landed. I've been there six years. When I first went there, they had, they only went to 20 million homes. Now we go to 80 million homes. So we're starting to make an impact. And, you know, um, I feel like my show's called Wise Guys, but I'm the son of a cop. You know what I mean? I, we all we come from the New York, New Jersey area. I'm sure we all know a wise guy or two or their nephew or their cousin or something. Um, but wise guys kind of play on words. We play with the Italian stereotype. and the truth of the matter is I'm proud of being from Staten Island, New York. Um, and I think a lot of times we get portrayed in the news and, you know, on the Jersey shore and stuff, we get portrayed like a bunch of dumb guineas and it's a great melting pot. Staten Island There's great tradition. There's just an amazing people out here who are Democrats and Republicans, but they're hardworking blue collar cops, firemen, sanitation, EMTs, teachers, nurses, that I'm proud of Staten Island. And when I play around with the Italian stereotype, one of the things that I'm always trying to explain on my show and I talk about Staten Island all the time is how great it is. And maybe people romanticize, you know, mob movies and all this other bullshit, but that's in the movies. You know what I'm saying? And John, John, hold on for one second, because you, you, you brought up something. I don't want to forget this point. You, you talked about Staten Island being a new, something happened with you and your show that it came to the national front. Jimmy Kimmel brought you guys up on, can you tell our, Sean, and can you tell our listeners about your, your interaction with Jimmy Kimmel or, Kind of quasi-interaction? Yeah, you know, it was unbelievable because, you know, we're plugging along every week. You know, Saturday night at 10 o'clock in the summer is a tough time spot because, you know, people in my demographic, they're out to dinner, they're <laughs> down having fun. But the show replays on Sunday at, at 3 p.m. Um, and we have, you know, both nights, you know, we're getting to 300,000 homes every week on, on Wise Guys, which makes me happy. I feel like we're making an impact. But then all of a sudden, um, on on Tuesday morning, uh, my phone is, like, blowing up. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, people are texting me. I, I went and my friend Freddy's uh, to have a coffee with him, and I left 
my phone on the charger. I came out, I had like 80 messages. Like, what the fuck is going on? So I'm looking at my phone and I'm going through. Everybody's saying, holy shit, you're on Jimmy Kimmel, this, that, blah, 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 blah. I look at it, and that week we had Rudy Giuliani on the show. And I guess someone on Jimmy Kimmel's staff um, thought it was time to lampoon Newsmax and Rudy Giuliani. And Jimmy Kimmel went into a whole skit. He, he showed a, like a one-minute clip of Wise Guys on Jimmy Kimmel. And then, you know, he, he started making fun of Rudy Giuliani. And, you know, I have an amazing crew, Lou Gelamino, who's a great criminal defense lawyer, who was representing all the nurses and doctors, all the nurses and teachers, and uh, also the all the restaurants in Staten Island. He represented all these people for free because he's a great patriot. He's on my show. Kara Castronova is a former two-time Golden Gloves champion, number two in the world professional boxer, and she's a political activist. So I got a good crew that's with me every week, and then we have one special guest. That week, Rudy was the special guest. And Kara um, is a very strikingly beautiful, attractive Asian girl. Lou is a big, heavy-set, bald Italian lawyer. Um, and Jimmy Kimmel said, oh, he says... Uh, Here's Rudy Giuliani in an Olive Garden with a bunch of Dick Tracy villains, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I of course then try to mine it for as much PR as I could. I, you know, retweeted it with a few choice words for Jimmy and his crew, and Rudy jumped on the bandwagon. And before you know it, the before you know it, the video had two million views. And I'm like, at the end of the day, thank you, Jimmy Kimmel. How, yeah. how, how did your show's numbers go up after that? Oh, without a doubt. We definitely got new viewers from that. Um, to be honest with you, I clapped back at him pretty hard. Um, and I haven't heard from him since. So maybe he doesn't want to tangle with the wise guys. Well, the thing is, you know, you talk about a guy who's kind of, who's kind, you know, more than just kind of is a hypocrite who went on the show with, with uh, blackface. He's he's throwing shade at you and, and other people. But meanwhile, you remember the beginning of the man show? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, so Jimmy Kimmel is, in my opinion, is probably the biggest sellout of all like the late night guys. 100%. You know, Colbert being a, a, a close second. But, you know, John, you're you're a big personality. You know, I, I could see why Newsmack would jump all over you to have you on a show. Tell us about Wise Guys. Tell us where people can watch it, where they can find it. I know you mentioned it a couple of times. You know, be a little specific. And also, is that the same network that just uh, signed Chris Cuomo? No, no, no. That's that's News Nation. Oh, okay. Um, a little more. They're a little more left wing than us. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh Newsmax is is right now the fastest growing cable network in America. We go to 80 million homes. Um, if you're in the uh, if you're in the Verizon cable system, the, you can find us on 615. If you're in Spectrum, um, you can find us on 222. And um, Wise Guys is on at 10 p.m. every Saturday night. It's on 3 p.m. every Sunday, and um, we basically go out talk to the people. Um, and then we take it to the table. You know, like I said, we play around with the Italian stereotypes. So we call the table segment the sit down. When we have a sit down. We bring in a great guest. We've had Chaz Palmateri. We had Judge Napolitano. We've had Bo Deedle. Forget about it. We, we get some of the greatest guests and 
They love the format. We go to a Spark Steakhouse or Empire Steakhouse. Uh, lately, we've been doing it from Jazz Bar Materials Italian restaurant. And, uh, I go, of course, you have to go to Sparks, right? Yeah, well, we did a few. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's like, that's like to me, taking stereotype too far. And Sparks is, you know, Sparks is kind of yesterday's news, you know? Yeah. So, um, we we played around with it in the beginning. The network liked the idea. Well, let's do it at Fox. That's where Paul Castellano got killed. Uh, but you know, the 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 idea is the genre is we're sitting in a restaurant, nothing's planned, nothing. It's like this podcast. You know, we 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 just got you know three four people and we're sitting there shooting the breeze. And you know what? A lot of these people that you see on like other news networks and shit in like a six minute segment. We do a 30 minute interview and we let them talk and we let them tell a story. And it's not these canned punchlines and taglines. It's more like a conversation. And a lot of, thank God, Jeff, a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. They're liking the style of what we're serving. And, uh, you know, look, I hope, I hope this podcast does great. I hope a few people at least check us out from this and hopefully they'll like it too. You know, You'll who, does get he, who, does, who does Trump pick for his running mate before we uh, close this out? Does he go with DeSantis? Or does he go somebody different? Cause you know, he ain't picking Pence. So. Nah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the Santa go with DeSantis or Tim Scott. I think DeSantis is playing it really smart. Um, He's not challenging Trump. He seems to be backing Trump on on a lot of things. He's not ruffling his feathers. But, you know, a lot of sources I have tell me he's doing a lot of maneuvering behind the scenes in the event that these scumbags get to Trump and he can't run or decides Mm -hmm. to pay the ass. I think DeSantis is constituted right now to run. Um, But I don't think he's vice president material. Although I think, you know, Trump could go to him and say, hey, listen, run. Sit down, be my vice president. I know where all the bodies are we'll buried. Go, we'll go your, to Sparks Steakhouse. Yeah, let me show you. Sit down. That John will broker it. <laughs> but you know, uh, I like the idea of like someone like a Candace Owens, another non-politician. Do, do you really think that she would d- jump into the fray on something like this? I don't know if she would, but to me, she seems like a great patriot, and I, I, I think that could have. I think that could have a really serious effect on on African American women. Who's uh, you know, uh, African American is about thirteen percent of the population, um, but African American women are about seventy percent of the, of the African American vote. A lot more women than men vote, and um, I think someone like Candace Owens, who's not a politician, a call like I see it type of person, that I think that might have might have an impact. I like Tim Scott, um, too. but you really really kind of want to get a vice president from a state that's um, not a guarantee that you want to get a vice president that's going to deliver you to state like a Michigan or a Wisconsin or something like that. So DeSantis might be overkill. Um, but then again, that might just be the power ticket. But I, I'd, I'd like to see. I hate that the Democrats say, well, we're going to hire a judge and it's going to be a black woman. And it's going to be. Uh, so do I. Yeah. Right. I hate that. Um, 
But I do think um, Donald Trump, many people don't give him any credit for this, but he made huge gains in in increases in his percentage of votes with African-Americans and Latinos. He really had he really upped the numbers there. Um, and I think a really strong um, minority candidate that could keep that momentum going might help also. So I don't know. I'm torn. Um, we're going to win Florida. So we don't need DeSantis for that in particularly. But I think those people, there's going to be a lot of people say, well, maybe Trump shouldn't run and 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 DeSantis should run. Um, maybe to keep all those folks happy, just say, OK, it's a two for one sale. DeSantis, Trump's only going to do four years and then DeSantis takes over for eight after that. And we have a nice 12 year run and uh, our kids can get back to seeing a country like we knew and not what they've been seeing for the last couple of years. John, before we go, you like the band Foreigner? Oh, I love Foreigner. You know, I run my younger years. Um, you know, used to me and my boys, uh one of my one of my friends, his father had a uh a funeral limo, you know those funeral limos? Yeah, sure. Rose seats in the back. And uh we used to we used to pay one of his drivers, we used to all chip in and we used to go out to the Nassau Coliseum wherever. Um and and we used to love going to those foreign concerts and just brings back great memories. Those songs. Uh, when I go to karaoke places, I kill it with the foreign of catalog. Oh, really? What's your go-to song? Well, I like Hot Blooded. I mean, Hot Blooded is a, is a, is a killer song. You know, um, Jukebox Hero is. Oh, it's a great song. Good one. You know, you wanna be a Jukebox Hero. <laughs> You know, he held a note there for a second, Sean. He's good. Those songs, those I, you know, speaking speaker of foreigner, I wish Jeff had a fucking fever of 103 right now. That's exactly <laughs> what I wish. Oh, <laughs> well, look, I, I, like I said, I spent more time in, in the Plaza Suite and Pastels breakdance into Lime and TKA. But, you know, I, uh, I did love, you know, some rock and roll. I love foreigner. I love Brian Adams when I was a kid. Uh, I love Journey, man. Journey was a, a killer. Was was another one of the bands that I used to love to go see in concert. I must have seen them a dozen times. Um, but look, uh, you know what? I, I was saying it before. Sometimes I get so sick of the news. What I do is I go down in my basement and I put on America's Got Talent. And then I'll binge about six episodes and ignore my phone and everything else and just watch people perform. A lot of those singers are doing covers and stuff and I'm singing along with them and it kind of takes me away from this whole, the misery of the news cycle. And uh, to me, it's a depressing, oh, man. great release for me on that one. I stopped watching the news a few weeks ago and I'm looking at bulldog videos and puppy videos all day long. And let me tell you something, my blood pressure is normal for the first time in 12 years. <laughs> my girlfriend's addicted to that shit. She watches the puppy videos and the and the kitty cat videos. And she literally, I'm like, how many can you watch? She's like, no, no, this one's so cute. That all day long, all day long. John, Whatever. thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. This was yeah, a great episode. Folks, please, please, you will thank me. Go to Newsmax. You got Spectrum 222, Wise Guys, John Tobacco, Saturday night at 10, Sunday at 3. 
Okay. And he fills in for these hosts all the time. He'll have a more prominent spot within a year. Trust me. You know, it always happens. And when people come on the show, good things happen. John, we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much, man. A lot of fun. I'm sorry I was a little late, but I hope no problem. It's okay. I picked I picked on Jeff for 15 minutes, which is <laughs> one of my favorite things to do in life. So I'm fine with that, John. All right. Well, I really enjoyed it. And uh anything I can do to help promote the show. So let me know when this comes out. I'll promote it. I'll pump it out there on my social. And uh I wish you the best. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much. You're a good man, John Tobacco. Thank you guys. I appreciate you. Take care. Right. Guys, we will be back in two weeks. Okay, we go on a little bit of a hiatus and then we come back strong for the fall. All right, Sean, any any parting words on this? That was a great episode. Great episode. And uh, I don't think Trump runs. I think DeSantis runs. I think he wipes the floor of Joe Biden. All right, you heard it here. For, oh, also, before we go, speaking of, of this show. OK, uh, you know, uh, about a year or so ago, we had a, one of my buddies on. Uh, we had Sean Conan on. Mm hmm. Yes. And he kind of he kind of alluded on the show that, um, you know, you may not have seen the end of Mike Barnes. Yep. If you and paid attention to Twitter this week, mm -hmm. what did Sean uh, admit on, on Twitter? What did he announce? Season five of Cobra Kai. He Mike is Barnes be coming back, the bad boy of karate. And uh, he texted me and we, 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 we were chatting and he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. So if you're a Cobra Kai fan. Guys, check it out. It's going to be great. And like I said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Enjoy the other episodes. And hey, we, we, this is 101 and we are moving forward. We Absolutely. got off with a great bang. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Enjoy your week. I'll talk to you soon. You Take care, everybody. Me. Bye.